Hello, welcome to another LP podcast. This is Scott Powers, joined by Mark Lazarus for, uh, of The Athletic. Uh, We're in the Mazda recording studio. In other words, my Mazda. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We promised many podcasts, and we have not delivered many podcasts. (laughs) You know, we're going to be better about this next year. Our our podcasts have been scattershot. They haven't been uh, uh, regularly scheduled. They haven't been regularly structured. We've been kind of making this up as we go, and we're going to suck less next year. Yeah, that's that's our (laughs) off-season promise. Our promises to date mean nothing, but our off-season will actually have time to do things that we plan to do, and... Uh, yeah, let's not forget, I was hired like three days before uh, the training camp opened. We didn't have a lot of leeway into this. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, and so we so rarely attend games together. Or that's that's what it's been coming. That's what it really comes down together. to. Is where the whole idea of this whole two-man system here is that you're somewhere I'm not, and I'm somewhere you're not. Yeah. So, like, you're going out west on this trip, and I'm not. I was on the last West Coast trip. So, yeah. you know, it, 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 it allows us time to work on other things, but at the same time... I feel like the last time I saw you together. was in, in this Mazda. <laughs> it feels that way, yeah. Around trade deadline. I think that's trade the last deadline, podcast yeah. we did. Um, a lot has happened since the trade deadline. Yeah, a little bit. The Blackhawks were out of the race, and then they got back into the race and got out, they got out and now they're they're back in. They are all over the map. I, 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 I put the nail in the coffin in a column like two weeks ago, and then they just haven't lost since. Yeah. Well, I put the nail in with like in January. I think Stan Bowman did too, and then yeah. they, they got back into it. He told then, you basically they were looking to next year. And then they got out of it again. You put the nail in, and they've pried it out. And um, right, So here's, here's the big question. How much of it is the Blackhawks have gotten significantly better, and how much of it is the Western Conference is awful? And both needed to happen, right? Right. Like, it's... If the Western Conference was playing like it has in recent years, the Blackhawks are still out of this. Like oh, this, they're like 10, 15 points out right yeah. now. Um, but because of that, someone said they were, I haven't looked at the numbers, but they're like on a 100-point pace since January. Yeah. Well, like, certainly I, I, that's factored into it, but if Colorado... They have a better points percentage. December 12th is when their season turned around. That's that game against Pittsburgh that ended the second eight-game losing streak. Yeah. That's been kind of like the line of demarcation I've been using. Since then, they have a better points percentage than Winnipeg, than Nashville, than Vegas... I mean, they've put up a legitimately good record, and you'll hear a lot of people saying, yeah, but it's PDO and the underlying numbers, yada, yada. But the eye test, I mean, every now and then, like, I'll be at a game or you'll be at a game, and I'll just get a message from Scott on Slack saying, they look pretty good. When did this happen? It's like we're surprised every time they look good, but well, this happens a, more often. Like, for much of December and January and February, they, they've won games. Like, even Carlton admitted this the other day, and I don't remember him saying this before, that they – had a plan to just load up offensively. Everyone knew that was what they were doing, but he said it out loud. He's like, you know, we couldn't win games this one way, so we decided to overload the lines and get a lot of offense and try to outscore games, you know, outscore teams. And then I feel like from that Dallas game on, these last five have actually, um, maybe aside from the last the, game. Aside but, from the and, third period in Toronto. Toronto. And then uh, a little bit of last game. I mean, but, but even last game, then it was, it was low scoring. And but then you can look at Montreal and say, well, they gave up 48 shots on goal. Right, right. But they didn't look that bad doing right, it. It's, right. kind of, it's hard to – they could have lost that game 5-1 yeah. if it wasn't Crawford in that. So it's so hard to, to really put a finger on what this team is. Are they okay? Are they bad and lucky? Are they just really good at outscoring opponents? Are they – you know, we talk about a lot about how goaltending masks things, but they've gotten bad goaltending for most of the season yeah, too, yeah. or at least subpar goaltending. So it's it, it, it's they score a lot of goals, yes, but lately it feels like they're winning games more competently. It's not just getting, uh, you know, pulling it out of their ass basically. Well, I think the four lines are hiding a little bit uh, of what the defensemen are. You know, like it's you're all of a sudden you're getting the pressure and you're getting four lines rolling. 
you know, Secure has been pretty good on the top line. Perlini's obviously been, been a, I mean, second star of the week, you right. know, like the that's, that's yeah. it's crazy. And then, then Camp legitimizes their fourth line and, and Colleton trusts them and they're playing 10 plus minutes. You just wrote about this and um, you have four lines all of a sudden that, uh, that you believe in and and the fourth line even scored a couple of goals. And yeah, that's that's been the biggest difference. That the most overt difference between Colleton and Quenville is how Colleton has leaned on his top guys. Yeah. Kane playing 24, 26, 28 minutes some night. Taves playing 22, 23 minutes a night. Debrinket playing major minutes. Saad playing 22 minutes. Where Quenville didn't do that. Quenville wanted his fourth line playing. Every now and then he'd have a guy play seven or eight minutes. But for the most part... I was going to say, Brandon Machinter probably would differ Yeah, yeah that, there, there, were, there were exceptions, certainly. That year, that 2015-16 year, where they were just all one line. But even if you go back to the beginning of this year, and the, the, the Quenville games in the first month of the season... The average t- ice time was spread between ten and twenty minutes, yeah. and now in Colleton, it's never been. There's always been Kunitz getting five minutes, Kruger getting six minutes, Perlini getting six minutes, yeah. a couple of guys getting six or seven minutes. It's such a difference when you have four lines you can trust. You know, Colleton's still learning the matchup game. You'd like to see him better utilize some of these lines, but he is using those lines, and that's a big step in the right direction. Uh, when I was looking through the numbers, the Dallas and the um, which was the game after Dallas? Uh, was it Arizona? Sure, let's go with that. Yeah, yes. whatever yes. two games they were, they were. It was the first time. Yeah, it was Dallas, and they beat Arizona seven to one. Yeah, it was the first time they won, won two games consecutively, having a Corsi percentage over fifty percent since Quinville was the coach. Right. So I, a lot of their games was you know it was the high scoring and all this and they're always in Sean of, Tierney's fun quadrant. Right, right. It was just I mean that's it's also when you look back at Quinville's numbers, it was. Uh, I mean, they they were playing like really positive hockey. They were a better team. Yeah, statistically speaking, yeah. they were a better team under Quenville than they have been under Colleton. Yeah, um, but th- as of late, it's a different one. I, I guess the other. I mean, it's the four lines, but it's Crawford too. It's just he's yeah. he hasn't looked. I, I feel like when he first came back, we were amazed by like, well, he looks like himself, self, and then. He it didn't through, last long, right? It, it didn't last long, and then uh, the concussion, and then he, he hasn't he didn't look right, and this is the first stretch where he's I mean five consecutive starts where he's really put it together, and uh, and maybe you don't worry. I, I think you you always worry about him being injury prone and another concussion or just, um, but if he can play this type of hockey uh, in for a few more years, and at least next year he's under contract, the Blackhawks at least. Probably have a little bit more confidence in their goal. Team. I mean, I mean, at, at the very least, let's let's you know who knows what's going to happen these last ten games yeah. of the season. And Crawford's going to start at least eight of them, maybe more. I'm not sure. You I'm curious about that back to back in yeah. Colorado. I mean, how do you? Yeah, Ward hasn't played in a long time. How do you how do you put him yeah. out there for that game? But at least now, we we couldn't say this at any other point this season. I look at next season. I'm like, well, this is probably a playoff team next season. Mm-hmm. They've been. This is not a small sample size anymore. December twelfth was a long time ago. That's a, that's more than three months ago. They've been playing, like you said, at a, at a hundred point plus pace. Are they a hundred plus point team? Maybe not. They, they might be. The, the the record might be a little flattering, but maybe the record before that was a little. You know, if you look at the underlying numbers, it wasn't that awful. Yeah. But they just kept losing. So it was all those slow starts and everything. This is the first time, really, I can look at next season and go, I expect this team to make the playoffs next year. I don't know if I do this year. It's a little long shot, but I expect them to make it next year as long as they stay healthy. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Which I is also, amazing because we thought this was like a teardown just like three yeah, months ago. Oh, for sure. I also tend to think that they don't need to tinker with the lines too much. Like, I, I, I don't he, think... He, Carlton keeps doing it, though. Well, no, no, I, I tend to think that I'm going forward for next season oh, okay, that... Sorry. I, I think Perlini has shown you enough that he can be a top nine guy. Certainly, um, I don't know if Secure is a top line guy, but he's uh, he could fit in your top nine. He's creating. He's playing. 
Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, if Kajula's in your fourth line with Kampf and you get a third player, you, you pretty much have your team. I, and I, I, I wonder how... a lot of money to spend, though. Where well, no, that's, and that's why I think there's, there has to be an emphasis on the defense because even with these lines playing well, I still see break. Like you, he can't choose between Dahlstrom and Cuckoo because both are up and down, and, and Forsling certainly has his stretches where he isn't bad, and, and you've got to protect Seabrook in some situations. I think Keith and Gustafson have actually played well together, but I don't know how sustainable that is over a whole season for having Gustafson out there for big minutes. I, it just it keeps on going back to that point, like, uh, and I you know, and I realize the UFA market's not amazing, but or you go out and trade or do something. Just, well, you're gonna have to move guys to bring in. Guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, you know, at this point, even you have a window with Kane and Taves, I still feel like, and yep. them, and we've talked about before, it's gonna get harder for them to do this. You trade, get, trade your you first round pick. Trade years. some picks. Yeah. Do something that aggressively to get the players you need to win now. Because I've now seen, and I'm going to write more about this, but and I've seen Boquist, Bodan, and Mitchell uh, in the last three or four weeks, and I don't think any of them are ready. And I, I one of them may pop out during you know training camp or something. But uh, Boquist defensively, I, I think he should go back to the OHL. Mitchell, um, he certainly has, he's a little bit more defensive minded. Um, but he probably needs some, you know, some maturing, and he's he's a five eleven guy. I mean, you can only fit some of those guys in a lineup, and he can use some work. And uh, Bodin thinks the game really highly. Um, he's smart, and he does a lot of things. But uh, defensively, there's some issues there too. Where I, I think they all have potential. Uh, I'm not sure how many you can fit in the lineup at the same time, but I think they need time. Um, so I don't think you can bank on any of those guys being the game changer for next year. And, you'll have you'll add Yoki Haru to this. Mix, yeah, they, for sure. Yeah, which helps. But yeah, it, if Yoki Haru takes that next step, right? Like that's right. a big key. To if he can be your number two on your top pairing alongside yeah. Keith, everything else settles a little easier down the lineup. But you know, if you want to bring in a big piece, you're going to have to move somebody. Well, oh, for sure. They're, yeah. just, they're just hamstrung by the contract situation. Yeah. So because even now, like it's if they don't, what, they have what seven D here. Brandon Manning might be available. <laughs> he probably would be. Um, <laughs> You have 70 here, and you're going to bring in Yoki Haru, so 8, and Cuckoo, Forsling, and Dahlstrom are RFAs. I, I assume you want to sign them just because you just don't... Just for depth, yeah. Right. But, yeah. Um, I feel like we always... Our conversation always ends up with a defenseman. Well, like, it, it with, should. Yeah, no, for sure, yeah. <laughs> That's the... Imagine imagine a good defense behind this offense. This team would be a juggernaut. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, they, offensively, they're, 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 they may not be Toronto, but they're in the upper tier of this league offensively. They have... They're going to have three guys score 35 goals or more. You're going to have two guys with more than 40 goals, potentially. This is a serious offense. And you also see, I, I, you've seen, uh, you saw Toronto against Chicago, and you've seen it against a lot of teams lately, where that, that style, is, it's, it doesn't exactly sustainable. Like it's, no, It can I mean, always be a little bit hell-raising. You if know? you've ever it's, checked the comments on a Myrtle column on The Athletic, uh, the Toronto fans are up in arms. I mean, they're supposed to win the Cup this year. They're not going to get out of the first round. They're yeah. going to lose to Boston. Yeah, like, they're going to lose to Boston. They don't have a chance against Boston the way they've been playing. Because you know why? Because they're all offense and no defense. Tampa's by far the best team in the league, but do you think they win the cup? No, I just I they certainly should. But how often do you see that? I mean, how often is right. the best team? The last time the best team in the league won the Blackhawks was Hawks the Blackhawks in, Black in twenty thirteen. Yeah. Like it just doesn't happen. Hockey's too fluky. I could see Boston beating Tampa. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put money on it, but I could see it happening. Yeah. I could see Washington beating them in the in the conference final. Is Columbus in the playoffs again? Or are they out again? Uh, I think they're in right now. They're kind of bouncing in and out with uh, 
I think, I think uh, Mar- they're the Montreal most interesting storyline for me. Just all well, yeah, you want to see them do well because you want you want Yarmo to be rewarded for being crazy. Yeah, because you want to see other GMs be crazy. Where he just said, "Screw it, I'm just going to go for it." So we win one playoff round this year, and he bought, went out and got everybody on a UFA contract. I love that idea. It's going to be a disaster in the long run. But imagine if they miss the playoffs this year. Yeah. No GM will ever go for it ever again. I guess the other one is. is and I'm sure you could ask about the offer sheet too. And I, I just I don't believe it'll happen until no, it actually occurs. It's, it's too it's too much of a good old boy network. It's too collegial. Yeah. Nobody. Everyone talks about well they don't want to get retribution or they don't want to give. No, it's that they don't want to screw over their buddies that they go golfing with. I would love to see the face of the, the Blackhawks office when they heard about uh, what Jarmelson. When that I came feel like in, back yeah. then it wasn't such a shocking thing to have an offer sheet. Like it's been you know you had the Weber one a while back. Yeah. But like, like, when was the last? Like, it's been a while. Was was the uh, was O'Reilly? Did Ryan O'Reilly get one? I think so. Right? I don't even remember. Like, it's just like it's not even like a thing you think about because it just never happens. But it's such like a topic of conversation. Like, oh, it's it the makes, most yeah. disgusting that ever yeah. that never occurs. It's it's it would be a beautiful league if that happened where you just had guys poaching other guys' best talent. It'd be amazing. And you look around other sports, the the player movement in the NBA. The player moving in the NFL this year, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, yeah. all these guys moving, Odell Beckham, which I'm still angry about. You know, all these guys moving, you know, that helps generate popularity in the league. Like, stability isn't fun. Like, as a fan, yeah, you want to keep your stars, but as a general fan of the sport, the NBA is super popular yeah. now because things change so dramatically. The offseason in the NBA is amazing. Yeah. Let's say I argue that if I was Panarin, I'd go out and I'd be like, I want one year of $15 million. Someone give it to me. Or give me two years with an opt-out or something like that. Yeah, you know, give me a LeBron contract. Well, that, I, it's the thing because people are already asking about UFAs and all those things, so I'm looking through it, and everyone's 27, 28 when they become a UFA, and then they all went long-term. Want seven years. And then it's there's so much, I just as a GM, like you've already done that with if your team. Well, I think, I think that Austin Matthews' contract will help yeah. and that he took more money for less term. But that's how it used to be. That second contract. You look at Taves and Kane. They took. They both took those six. The six million a year contracts yeah. before getting the ten point five ones. That's how it used to be. And then guys like McDavid said, "Screw it, sew me up forever here, and I'll buy all my UFA years." Uh, I would love to see Panarin go out there and just buy, get a one, one or two year deal and say, "Hey, every every year or two, I'm going to get a raise." Yeah. Because yeah. if if you're if you're a fifteen million dollar player this off season, you're going to be an eighteen million dollar player two off seasons. Right? right. And and in in year eight, you may make less, but you've probably made more early in that. Contract. How stupid does Nikita Kucherov feel right now? He's making nine point five. He's the best player in hockey. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, if I was Panarin. I'd, plus, you'd bounce around, and at this point, who'd be uh, like, yeah, he's already he's already been on two teams in his first what few years in the league. Yeah. Why not just become like the ultimate mercenary? <laughs> just just bounce around every year, pick a different team, like like Hosa did for a few years there. Just become like the ultimate merc. Yeah, I, that's that'd be great. Um, so this stretch coming up, it's every game is like. Tomorrow's yeah. game, they need to win, obviously. But then it's Colorado, Colorado, Arizona. Colorado, Colorado. Arizona. How great is it that yeah. it sets up that way yeah. right now? I mean, if you give up any of those points, you might be done. Right. Because like, Colorado could walk out of there and be like, we're, you know, like, if you split with Colorado, I guess it's not the end of the world, but you can't lose both of them. No, certainly not. Because, yeah. Cause, like, the ideal situation, of course, is that those are regulation wins. You don't want to give up overtime. You, you know, I pictured Jeremy Collins. Well, it's funny you asked watching, him today about Well, yeah, I, I picture him watching that, that Avalanche Wild game last night, and when they got the, uh, the empty netter, like 200-foot empty netter, I just picture him, like, jumping out of his chair, yeah, pumping his fists and stuff, because the nightmare scenario is anytime these, like, every other team in this race right now is seeing, oh, God, Colorado Blackhawks back-to-back. If those both go to overtime, we're screwed. Yeah. Because the loser point just wrecks everything. Yeah. So all you want is regulation games. 
God, it's 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 fun. Like I just I didn't think we'd be covering these games. I, I was talking with Brent Seabrook this morning. I'll write about it tomorrow night probably. But uh, it's amazing. Even the players, they're like, we didn't see this coming. Like yeah. anybody who saw this team or played on this team in mid December, you couldn't possibly even imagine a scenario. Like they said, well, sure. Like like hey, yeah, we win a couple ten game win streaks. Sure, why not? But nobody could really believe that you'd be sitting here in late March. It's spring. Today is the first day of spring. And we're talking about games that matter and points you can't afford to give up. Whether they make the playoffs or not, this has been the most pleasant surprise second half of the season you possibly could have wished for. I don't get the... Like, there's... I think there's a segment of the fans right now who um, are so angry. Like, they can't get out of the anger, you know? Like, they just... One, they wanted... There's some who wanted the tank for Hughes and think it's unhard... You know, like, this is just a disaster not doing it. And there's still people who got so worked up about whether about Quinville or about how this was going, um, that even now like they don't agree with the numbers. Like they like they like I, I was arguing with some guy on Twitter where um, yeah the, the the numbers aren't that far. Like they don't need a miracle. Like they need to win more games in Arizona and things have to go right and odds are against them. But what do you it's, think? Se- out of these last ten games, seven will seven do it? Seven regulation? I don't wins? know. Like the, the West is so that bad. would give them what eighty seven. You know, points? like it could be four wins. You know, like it, it could be like it just. I, I don't. I, I'm not caught up in the points anymore either. Like it's just that the the West has been so average and the wild. It's funny how it's fluctuated though. Like the Hawks had that seven game win streak when everybody else was losing. That's what right. put them back into this conversation. And then the Hawks took a step back when everyone else righted the ship. Right. And you're like, oh, well now there's no chance. And then the Hawks got hot again and everyone else is kind of stumbling. It's like, how is Colorado not in the playoffs yet? Yeah. Like we're all like all season. Oh, Colorado will be fine. They'll be in the play. How are they not in the playoffs yet? I, they're one of the biggest surprises because I thought they were so good early on and I, I think Buffalo is the biggest They're going to have the number one and number two draft picks yeah. next year. This yeah, year at this rate. They're going to win the lottery and Ottawa will be second. And then there you go. They're going to have Jack Hughes and Kako Kapo. I'm kind of, I, I I was looking for, I enjoy that process too, looking at who these guys are and stuff. And the Blackhawks draft pick probably is not going to matter as, as much as it No, I mean, if, if they had gotten a top two, sure, maybe. But your, your chances are still pretty low with that happening. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, you've written some really interesting stories. I feel like my stories haven't really been that interesting lately, but, um, <laughs> but you, you did, you did a couple of cool stories and one, um, about the smelling salts and, and, and it was a lot of fun and it was, it was a great read. And, uh, I, I know that when we were in Montreal, someone asked, or yeah, one of the places that someone asked Kane about it too. And then he explained the whole thing about putting it in his eye and, and someone asked him if he was doing any harm and they said they, you know, he, they prefer if he didn't, but I don't, yes, don't he think... Said, he said, he's a good, he said, he told me, he was like, yeah, my girlfriend and parents wish I wouldn't do that. Yeah. But it, was, it was a fun story, and I, I'm sure it was well, I, I, mean, this is, and, I mean, we, we, we've both been on this beat for the same amount of time. We both walked in day one of that short training camp in 2013. I took a little season. break when ESPN laid me off, but... Yeah, but you've been, you've been, yeah, but you've basically been on that as long as me. And uh, it's it's one of those things where I, I, I'm out of story ideas, is basically what it comes down to. So now I'm, I've reached this point where it's like, these are the things I've always wondered just being around hockey for a long time. Like, the, the guys changing their clothes all the time. The guys that aren't, they're not really sports fans because they're sports professionals. Yeah. Like And the smelling salts. Like, all these stupid things I'm writing. They're, I'm basically, like, this is what I've always wanted to know. If you guys want to know it, come along with me for the ride, but it's going to be weird. But it's fun because the players seem to be enjoying, you know, like taking taking these walks with me down stupid lane. Because you know they don't get asked questions like this very often. They always just oh, you got to get pucks deep, and you got to get uh, getting the take the goalie's eyes away, and yada yada. So like you, you can kind of tell when they get a little more engaged in something. The smelling salt stuff was funny, 
and uh, it, that's been fun. I mean, that's one of the things that I like working at the Athletic is I can write stupid stories and they can do well because people like them. It's I've been wor- thinking of ideas, and last few have just been about soccer and hockey. So you can get <laughs> tell where my mind well, started. I mean, I mean honestly, you, you do this long enough, and you start thinking like, well, look, I'm a hockey fan. Yeah. What would I want to read? And that's that's kind of that's been my whole mo is like. You know, well, what would I want to read that's different than what other people are writing? Yeah, no, it's they're, been, it's been they're, fun. They're it's not all going to hit, but every now and then they're pretty fun. Yeah, they're fun to write. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think if we had anything coming down the uh, pipeline. Um, we just had uh, you, you did your big prospects piece. I mean, who are the who are the people that you know? We, everyone talks about Boquist, Bodan, and Mitchell. Who are the forwards who could actually be in the mix next season? You think in training camp, the Matthew Highmores of the world. I'm curious about the, this the Czech guy they traded for with the Kings. You know, he leads Kubelik. the yeah, Kubelik. Um Cahoon spoke pretty highly of him. Yeah, no, I mean, he leads the Swiss league in points. It's, it's a it's a decent league. Um, he's a little bit older. Um, yeah, I don't know if he's going to sign. I, I source said that they're hopeful. Um, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to talk to Stan Bowman here. I'm going to ask him about it. Um, well, it's funny with guys like that. Like I remember when they signed Jan Ruda and when they signed David Camp. Most of us are thinking, "Oh, those are depth signings for Rockford." Well, Cahoon, you and know, Cahoon too. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the third one. Yeah, well, yeah, Gustafsson. Well, he was drafted, but yeah, he was. Yeah, I mean, over. I mean, these undrafted European, like, oh, he, they're just bringing him over Panarin? to play in Rockford. Well, not so much Panarin, <laughs> but uh, but Cahoon and uh, and Camp and Yeruda um, um, all fall into this category where yeah. they were signed. Oh, those are just Rockford guys, and then they make the team right away. And they like, and Cahoon has been he's been really good. Yeah. For what he is, he's not a thirty-goal guy, but he is. Every line he's on seems to be effective. He is such a good passer. I think you can win with Cahoon and Camp in your lineup. Yeah, you know? yeah in but. the right roles, and and, and so yeah, so I mean, a guy like him would be interesting to see. And who'll be? I think he'll be in that. Like, we're talking about the top nine is pretty well set at this point. Yeah. Who do you uh, see in that fourth line mix with Camp? Well, I think Kajula. Kajula, yeah. Uh, I think I think I like Highmore. I think Highmore from what. Uh, saw in Rockford last year. It wasn't amazing in Chicago, but I think he plays the type of game. He's got a little offensive upside. He plays really hard. Um, I think they like the kid Brandon Hagel, who they signed from the WHL. Um, there's, there's some older, you know, a little bit older 20, 21-year-old guys. Highmore's maybe 22. Um, but they have some, you know, bottom six guys they could fit in. Um I, I also wonder, if would Kruger come back at like a million dollars, do you think? Or was that even worth it? I don't think he wants it? to leave. Yeah. I think he likes I think, it I here. think that, yeah. And his, I think his Carolina experience kind of, like, scared him off of anywhere else. Oh, my God. He spent half the year in Charlotte. Yeah. So, uh, it, it'd be paid. interesting. I, I, I'm assuming this is the end for him. Yeah, I kind of wrote about I, that. I think so, too, yeah. Because, like you said, you have Camp, and they're the same player for the most part, except Camp has a little bit more offensive yeah. touch to him. Um, but I, I would think that, yeah, I mean, he's, he's certainly not going to make $3 million again in no, his next contract. No. But I could I, – I bet Kruger would want to come back. I don't know if the Blackhawks would invite him back. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably worth exploring at least for Kruger's yeah. agent, and if you see what the number would be. So who who is who who is the next top six forward in the system right now? Who's a guy that you see with like legitimate star potential? Other than Shaluna, <laughs> gonna raise his jersey to the Raptors someday. You're gonna MC that ceremony. Uh, uh, are there any? Is there, are there uh, any top tier? Like every time I read one of your prospect scenes, I'm like, all right, I'm seeing a lot of depth uh, guys here. I think Kayamov has a chance. I, I, I'm curious. Like he took, like the. It's really hard to produce as a youngster in the KHL, and he was he was like in the top ten point scores, like twenty two and under. Um, so I think he has a chance. When I saw him in the World Juniors, I, I thought he played well. Um, they let Jake Wise. He had a really tough year. At, at, He's been hurt most of the year, right? Yeah, um, yeah, he, and he wasn't producing. Um, 
What know? about uh, like Khrushchev? A, is interesting. Khrushchev, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, none of these guys are. Like a, is, is these aren't the Brin kids. A Nordgren or, type. I mean, these guys that, that have scored Nordgren's at really, another level. Yeah, it's 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 early for Nordgren. You know, like he's he's small too, and he certainly scores. And he got hurt for a lot of the year in Miss World Juniors, and um, has played in the younger division in Finland a little bit because of the injuries. Um, I don't. There's a lot of wait and sees. You know, like it's. Uh, it's been a little bit since they've had any, like, you know, the Brinkett at least had that potential. Uh, it wasn't until sophomore, junior year we started seeing from from Sakura, but mm. but even, I mean, they haven't, I mean, Lewis and Hayden, all these guys were fine in college. It's been but, a long time since they produced a top-line forward other yeah. than Brinkett. Yeah, yeah, and Stroza was a nice prospect, but yeah, these are all top-nine guys, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, they're all... And Estroza, Hartman, all these guys were they were viable NHL players, which is tough to get late in the first round like that. Yeah. But it's been a while since they've had a star caliber. They, they've also spent sod, I guess one, the one they've spent first second round draft picks on defensemen yep, lately. Certainly. Um like Graham Knott was their first was their last well, I think Knott was the year before. He was a second per, rounder alongside? Second rounder, they didn't have a first rounder. He didn't pan out. Um you know, they had the three second-rounders into Brinkett and Kayamoff and Chris. And Graham not going to work here anymore. No. <laughs> He's got another year at his contract, but, yeah, that hasn't turned out well. Um, yeah, there, there haven't been a lot of forwards that have... You know, the fact that Brinkett. I mean, someone wrote about it the other day, and I actually asked Brinkett about it. Like, I asked him if he saw that they... Someone said they'd redraft it now, and he'd be, like, the fifth overall pick. And, uh, yeah, he'd, he'd, he'd and, might be higher than that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I asked him, and he goes, he's like, he's like anybody can redraft now. I'm like, well, you got to <laughs> feel some pride in that. And he said, yeah, you know, like, it's... It's nice to not be doubted anymore, but right. like the fact that Blackhawks struck gold with Debrinket, it changes things a little bit too, you know. And you, and you have uh, Sakura and well, Sod was a similar, similar thing where Sod slipped to the second round when he shouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I think I mean Debrinket's going to go down as one of the biggest steals. Oh yeah, he's going to be a forty goal scorer for the next decade. Yeah, <laughs> um, but no, there's not there's not a lot of guys in there that. Uh, that you say are like, like everyone likes likes Mackenzie and Twistle, and I think there's some qualities there. But he's a little older too, isn't he? Uh, Twenty one already. I don't know. He's nah, I think he's nineteen or something. Okay. Uh, this is why I have you around. I don't think he's an overager for the. Yeah, <laughs> but he's okay. But th- there's no one that I, I'd say that bank on and these that, guys. That's alarming because I mean your top your, your top guys are in their thirties now. Well, it also helps that now that you have Strom and Debrinkin and Perlini and and. True. And if secure is something, you know, like all of a sudden you have some younger players. But yeah, you're gonna need the. At some point. Well, at some point those guys are gonna have to get paid, and, and you'll need other younger guys to right, step in. And, right. So, I. Uh, Jack Hughes would obviously have been great for the Black. <laughs> <laughs> they could still get him. Yeah, you know. Um, what were the Bulls' chances when they got Rose? It was pretty. It was pretty slim. Wasn't yeah, it? it was like eight yeah. percent, something like that. <laughs> it could still happen. Um, but I, I would be surprised if they didn't try to draft some forwards early in this draft. And yeah, I think they're done drafting the defensemen in the first couple of rounds. Yeah. You can't do that forever. Although you probably want to draft defensemen with size at some point, but... Uh, apparently not in the plans. Yeah, I, I'm curious how it plays out because I I think all those guys have NHL potential. I just... I don't know how many you, you can put in the lineup at the same time. Right, especially at that age. Like I've, I've been saying, I mean, you don't win the Stanley Cup with four 20-year-old defensemen in the lineup. <laughs> that are 5'11 <five>, or 6'0", <laughs> probably. Um, it'd be probably fun to watch, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. You got uh, you got anything else? No, I think uh, we generally hit it. I mean, uh, we'll we, come back in. Uh, yeah, you get back from the June? West Coast. Let's do another one of these. <laughs> we'll do another Let's one try not June. to wait until uh, free agency. Yeah. Uh, well, I figured those last, that last week of games will be important. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe it we'll, yeah, we'll do we'll do something from Vancouver at the draft. We'll, we'll get all thirty thousand athletic NHL writers in one room and have the shoutiest podcast of all time. 
Remember the, the were you you were were you at the one we did with the uh, it was the end of season one? Yeah, at the, at the Nashville. Yeah, where we had me, you, Deets, Cook, or a uh, Hein, I think Potash. Tracy, Potash. Yeah. That was the most fun I've had on a podcast. Yeah, that was good. I, I didn't go back and listen. I'm There's sure a lot of cursing. In I'm that sure podcast. it was unlistenable. I just remember everyone was just yelling. Well, and, yeah, we were just yeah, we were just it was like it was like us in a press box. But <laughs> I just remember there being a lot more cursing than usual. At the end of a season, we're all ready to go home. We were expecting a two month playoff run. Like, oh shit, it's over. There was a lot of cursing that night. Cook, Cook brings it all out of us, you know. He does. It's, it's something about <laughs> Happy Birthday, Cook. By the Happy way, today's his birthday out in DC, and yes, yeah, Cook made me curse a lot. Yeah, uh, sounds good. We will do this again soon, hopefully. Uh, for Mark Lazarus, I'm Scott Powers, and this is the LP Podcast. <laughs>